Welcome to the press conference mixtape number 17. Uh, today we are brought to you by Stiff Cut Records and the Dream Division. Uh, we've partnered with them over the last uh, probably two months. A few more weeks to go, a few more guests to come up uh, related to all the good things they're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want some spicy records, some good music, hardcore, deathcore, uh, metalcore, uh, fuck, there's a bit of rap in there. Like, there's some good stuff. So go and check them out. Uh, my name is Philip. I'm here with my co-host Dave. How's it going, man? Good, mate. How are you? I am good. Throat is a bit sore. Uh, weekend of gigs and a wedding, so feeling a bit dusty today. I'm not going to lie, but uh, I'm good. How you been? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Uh, had a weekend of gigs, no wedding for me, but uh, yeah, my throat is still recovering from that cold, so I couldn't get in in amongst it as much as I wanted to on the weekend. It was good to see you. Uh, we were at the Saving Face EP launch that we've been talking about for a bit. Uh, we probably won't go too much into it today because we've got a bit of stuff around that next week, but how good was it? It was really good. It, I've never been to Last Chance Rock and Roll Bar. and That, that venue's sick. It is sick. Good food. I mean, the, the drinks were cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was really, like, when you buy a beer at a, at a, at a venue and they're like six bucks, and I was like, what? So that's really cheap. And they're like, yeah, no, it's that's the price. I was like, fuck, all right. Yep. Um, yeah, good venue. Great lineup, good dudes. It went off without a hitch. It was it was awesome. Um and yeah, if you if you, you still aren't on the saving face uh train, it's a little bit too late for the EP launch. But you can still get on. We're selling tickets. They're absolutely not, they cost nothing. <laughs> Go and fucking stream them, listen to them, follow them. Uh, awesome band. Awesome debut EP show. It's fucking just sick. Yes, they are fucking sick. Uh, On to this week's guest. We have uh, Melbourne metal band uh, Vault Hill. We spoke to Adrian, Morgan, and Dino uh, last week. um, And it was awesome. We met Dino at the Saving Face EP launch show. So it was great to meet you, Adrian. Um, Yeah, you're a legend. I stuffed the name yep. up, didn't I? Sorry. Yeah, you did. But let's <laughs> keep going. The, the show rolls on, Dave. The show rolls on, Dave. This was a great chat. Um, we enjoyed the uh, the metal influences, and yeah, it goes really deep, and we appreciate um, you guys letting, laying it all out for us because, um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, first metal, probably more traditional metal band we've had on, uh, and it was awesome, like hearing some of these songs um, and kind of seeing directly how it influenced. I thought it was, this was a good chat. And as you said, it got quite deep and uh, yeah, absolutely sending all the love to the boys in Vault Hill, uh, I guess for sharing that story firstly. And then, yeah, just uh, sending a lot of love from us. So on the other side of the smash, we'll have uh, Vault Hill. All right. So we're here with Adrian, Morgan and Dino from Vault Hill. How's it going, fellas? Good man, thanks for having us. You're welcome. It's uh, it's, it's kind of really cool to to kind of have you guys on. Um, you basically the first metal band that we've had on like straight metal, and it really takes me back to my my early days of music because it's uh, it's really refreshing to hear a new metal band coming out too. Yeah, That's thanks, okay. dude. So uh, yeah, what's going on? We've got some songs to talk about, um, so we'll get into the first question. So, how did you how did you guys get the band together? I know are you, uh, Adrian, are you and Morgan brothers? Did I read that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this was yeah high school band that we um, that we had formed, 
and um, we all moved up to Melbourne. We uh, tried to put it together and um, then just took a few years to sort of get the lineup completed and, and get the EP done and yeah. It's um, really hard to find a good metal drummer that will stay with you. And that, that was the, we had this revolving door of drummers for, oh God, five or six years, I think. And it felt like the band was never really going to, um, you know, it was, and, and, you know, Dino joined uh, sometime after, um, which has been chipping around in the background. And yeah, it was really awesome that it, it came back to life, this sort of phoenix from the, the ashes. And I think especially a lot of our schoolmates, uh, that were, you know, guys we went to school with, it was just like, can't be serious. This band is still going. Like, <laughs> but, uh, I actually got a message about the uh, our shows in the when we used to play with screen masks at the uh, the Hamilton attic for the freezer events. Someone uh, reached out on Facebook and was like, "So good to see you guys still going." It's like, yeah, man, we're still here. <laughs> That's mad. Just that, yeah, the the cockroaches of That's metal. It. <laughs> Definitely that that band that just refuses to die should have died, but refused to die. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. I mean, so if I'm correct, so Morgan, you're on vocals. Adrian, we spoke before. You're on guitar, and Dino, you're you're the drummer. Your bass. Ah, bass. Okay, so yeah. Because um, I think it's a running joke that from bands that like we talk to that it's so hard to find a drummer. And I feel like most gigs I go to, it's the same few drummers in rotation across all these bands. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's well, just a running joke, eh? Hey? We initially had talks I think we had talks as a joke to have like computer drums and then just put like a mannequin. <laughs> yeah, that would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> We changed its yeah, face. I like that <laughs> Put a screen mask on him, you wouldn't even notice. <laughs> True. Wonderful. Wait, so, I mean, talking about you know, how cockroaches of, of metal, that's quite funny. How long have you guys actually been a band? Or how long has like iterations of the band been around? Ooh, I think. So, for me, I reckon it's like. 20 years almost. I think we're about 15, 16 when we first started playing, playing metal. Um, yeah. Before that, we're like an indie sort of like rock band. So like the Vines, the Strokes kind of thing. Yeah, right. Um, and then finally we got rejected from the Postcards TV show. They wouldn't play <laughs> our music. Like they featured Mum's Gallery. She made a deal with them. You got to tape my boys and, you know, tape their music. And uh, we got replaced with sausages. Um, <laughs> and that Portland was like number one free barbecue capital of Victoria. And so, funnily enough, that's when our first drummer quit. And we're actually watching it with another drummer. And he was like, I'll join, boys, but you have to go metal. And yeah, we were sold. That's the first time I've heard that. <laughs> Oh, it's pretty, it's pretty horrible. We're waiting right to the end and we're like, are oh, they going to play us right at the end? But no, I know it. And then it's just sausage sizzle. We're like, that's it. <laughs> we just got replaced by sausage sizzle. That sucks. I don't even. We've got a new track called War on Snags. So <laughs> that's it. Full circle. Full circle. Comes back around. Yeah. Fuck the snacks. Uh, but I think we. Bumped into into Dino at a Dr. Colossus show about seven, eight years ago. And um, 
yeah, it's just something we got chatting and Dino's like, what have you been up to? It's like, oh, we're still trying to do Vault Hill. And he was like, everyone, very amazed. And like, oh, you guys are still doing that. And yeah, it's like, yeah, we're looking for a driver, looking for a bassist. And Dino was like, oh, I've always wanted to play bass in the metal band. It's like, you're in, man. So I text him the next day and Dino, he now admits that he was regretting it. And he was like, hung over, like, how do I get out of this? He's like, oh, I don't have a bass. It's like, it's cool, man. I got a bass. It's like, oh, I don't have a bass amp. It's cool, man. I got a bass amp too. You're in. You're locked in. <laughs> Seven years later. <laughs> he can't escape. Had to do it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, so I guess I guess for us, it, it was really like a bit of a hobby. It was just a hobby, you know. We loved jamming and um, we would jam at, at Hydra rehearsal studios and you know, sometimes it'd be a month or two where we we couldn't get together, we couldn't jam, but it was more of this, um, I guess, a bit of a release for us. You know, playing metal. It's after a long week or a long day. It's um, yeah, it's good to do. It's good for the soul. So yeah, but now here we are. With you know, a few few dots came together, and, and I think Frankie um, joining the band um, as our drummer. Uh, that's that changed things because we. We were paying, well, one is a session musician, so we had to um, think about how we were spending that money. And two, um, he also just had a lot of uh, connections as well. So mm. the ball just started rolling in a different direction, and uh, then all of a sudden uh, we were recording with his friend, um, Chris Dumco at uh, Monolith Studios, and then yeah, really excited. That was not the, that was the second time we actually recorded those tracks as well, um, because we recorded them with a punk drummer, and right. we went to release it. And Evergreen artists were like, "You guys should probably get a metal drummer to do it." So, yeah, yeah, because it's really interesting. Um, because listening to the songs, it doesn't look like you've been a band for like. Real, like not a new band like you got everything dialed in it's you, tight yeah like it feels it feels yeah it felt real tight yeah it seemed was, like you'd been a band first, for a first EP. Oh, thanks man thanks thanks so and like uh with the tightness we we play basically to like we jam to an electronic drummer like half the time so that really makes us we have to be tight because the, the electronic drummer is never yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's not going to stop. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's actually good practice, though. Like, it forces you to yeah, get... Yeah, good practice. Like, not that you weren't good. Like, it makes you get good because you've got, like, I've got to keep up with this drummer so you can't, I can't miss a beat. Yeah, it forces you to be tight. That's true. That's true. Which I think, you know, that appealed to Frankie as well because, you know, you jam with us and we were... Um, we weren't all I mean sometimes we'd be all over the place but you know not like we by and large we're very tight jamming with him and I think it's like oh you know I could, yeah I could dedicate more time to this project gets him inspired keeps him in keeps him yeah. in the game so he's like these guys are bringing it let's let's go let's keep pushing yeah our little Italian Stalin he hasn't left yet so do you guys have any music I, I, before the EP that you guys have got up on, on Spotify? Or is that kind of you did a clean slate in 2022? Not on, not on Spotify. Um, we did some uh, – we sort of released something on the social media and, and YouTube, uh, Break the Silence. It's still up, on, still up on YouTube. And we actually – 
Um, it was just before Dino joined, and we had our mate um, Chris Dorney on guitar and bass, and he was actually a filmmaker as well. So we mm-hmm. we thought we'll film this clip without a drummer, and in, in our garage, and, and make it yeah it look sort of nice and release, and you know we'll get, we'll get a drummer within a week. And yeah, it was just some of those crickets and stuff. And then we also did like the uh, Triple J um, Play School remix and did like a metal song for that. And that, that's still up on YouTube. We figured we'll just keep it up, you know, why not? So I need to ask a question. I don't want to like go back and forth too much, but something that stood out before was that you, you mentioned that you were playing indie music back in the day. I need to know: were you were you still fans of metal, like at, at, like while you were playing in an indie band, or did that kind of come later? I was really curious to know because um, I think that's interesting that transition. Yeah, no, that was definitely definitely came later. Um, I remember that that friend that we were watching the sausages program with, uh, John, <laughs> the, the metal drummer. I remember the first time he played Pantera to me, um, and I remember like my thought was this is just noise. Like I can't understand it. It's just noise. And then for the next week I kept walking around the house singing Pantera's walk, you know, like the chorus. And I was just like, it's stuck in my head. What's going on? And yeah, then just sort of fell in love with it there. But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, so, fans. I mean, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that poster behind you, Dino. What was that Dino? Now he's got a dime bag tattoo. Yep. And a dime bag guitar. And a dime bag uh, wire pedal as well. Nice. I love that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a really sad day for us because you know the band was actually going and we played. We were covering um, Pantera's Walk. Um, what else did we covered by Pantera? Five minutes. Five minutes alone. Yeah, I did five minutes alone. Yep. Yeah, and um, we were playing, you know, freezer gigs and stuff at high school and. Yeah, I remember being at a house party and then someone coming in going, oh, my God, you know, like, Dimebag Daryl's been shot. And that was, that was wild. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Sad day. Yeah, for sure. That's the day. Yeah. So um, should we move on to the, the playlist? So um, we've kind of – it's been broken up into to two parts. So um, a few of the songs are, are like a, a holistic influence for the band and um, – the last song is for the the latest the latest single that's coming out soon. So, uh, we'll talk about the first song, which is "Redneck" by Lamb of God. So, tell us about that and how that influences the band. Yeah, well, I mean, Red like, Lamb of God's always been a big influence for for us. We um, again, they were uh, basically you know in the in the band's first um, iteration in. Uh, high school, we were just playing metal covers. So we played um, 11th Hour uh, by Lamb of God. And later, I think we attempted Ruin. Uh, we did we did Descending as well. Um, Lamb of God is always, and we've always been big Lamb of God fans. So it's always been a massive influence uh, for us, uh, especially with the, you know, the cut guitar work. Um, Randy Blythe, his vocals as well. Um, I'd say you know, him, Corey Taylor, and... Um, Chris Cornell, probably my biggest uh, influences on film, film and Selma as well. Um, but yeah, for this particular track, it uh, I think you know the way that the the chorus was modelled definitely had a strong redneck uh, influence. So it's just a really punchy song with a lot of energy. 
Mm. Um, it, it was sort of when Lamb of God took a bit of a different direction as well. Redneck was a bit a bit different, a bit more, I hate to say, but maybe probably more mainstream um, sound for them. Um, but it really worked and it was really awesome. And yeah, that was definitely one of our high school anthems and one of those songs that um, definitely influenced um, my uh, writing style vocally. And I, I just think with the, the guitar, uh, the guitars uh, in Redneck and especially the vocals, um, yeah, that you, you can see a lot. You can see a bit of that in twenty seven point one, for sure. I can hear that. Uh, I listen to them like side by side. I'm like, yeah, this is. You can hear the influence there, but it's uh, Rednecks are such a good track. And I've, have you guys? You guys would have seen Lamb of God live a few times. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, yeah. Lo- love seeing love seeing them live, and yeah, like getting the wall of death. And I remember. At the, the the sound wave that was over the two days, mm-hmm. that Lamb of God pit in that big circle pit, it was probably one of my most euphoric moments. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, like yeah, those those guitarists, uh, huge influence on on, on my guitar um, playing, and yeah, probably that and Pantera are probably my, my two biggest influences. So yeah, cool. I think too, you know, because Adrian would program the drums, you know, before we. You know, there's a long period where we didn't have Frankie and we were in between drummers and uh, Adrian's got a background as an audio tech and so um, he would, yeah, write drums and still does, you know. Um, and so that Lamb of God influence um, definitely came through with the drums as well, which Frankie then sort of, you know, after listening what Adrian sort of put together, that's definitely influenced his style as well, mm. what he's brought. Yeah. They're also one of the loudest bands I've ever seen, I think. I've seen a lot, <laughs> oh, a lot yeah. of music and we saw, I saw them at Festival Hall before. Yeah, wow. it was, it was yeah, one of the loudest. My ears hurt like for days afterwards. <laughs> it was it was incredible though because they just, they just bring it and like the guitar's almost the second singer for them. Like you can just you get down to the guitars and then – and he starts seeing it's just yeah they're an incredible band yeah oh yeah yeah and i definitely think like for me listening to this song and i hadn't listened to lamb of god i reckon since i was in high school uh, when i was finally first discovering metal myself yeah you, as you mentioned adrian influenced your guitar work because you can hear similar not similar riffs but like i just don't feel like a lot of bands shred like that anymore especially like you know we're talking about you guys are the first proper probably more traditional metal band that we've had on uh, in a lot of ways, and I feel like, yeah, it's a great way to kick off the playlist because by the time we get to the track, like later on, um, yeah, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially like a lot of the like really intricate sort of like little triplety kind of like accents and stuff. Like that's yeah, yeah. Mark Morton and um, and Willie Adler, like yeah, they're amazing at that. And the Machine Gun sort of riffs, yeah, like that's yeah. Like, yeah, all the time when I'm trying to write riffs, I'll be like, I want to do something cool like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. We'll, uh, we'll cue this up. We're going to play another one after it, and um, we'll, we'll be back in a few.
So at the top there, we had Redneck by Lamb of God, followed by Paleface Swiss, God Looks the Other Way. Uh, when did they add that? When did they add Swiss to their name? Because I was, I, is that, was that recently? Yeah. I think it's been a couple of years, yeah, isn't it? I live under a rock. Um, Maybe within a year or so. Uh, this is this was a sick track and I think um, kind of punches you in the face after Redneck. Uh, talk to us about this track. Oh. Wow, what do I say? I don't know. It's this band is just I don't know. This initially it was something about the vocalist. They just had just so much power and anger to his voice. It's almost um, touching on like a Iowa era Corey Taylor. And the, the whole song it goes for six minutes ten seconds, and it's just like breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. It gets heavier and heavier and heavier, and it's just like fuck. <laughs> Can this get any heavier? And it does. I find myself every time the song starts, I just that stank face. Yeah. And the head bow. Yeah. I feel like you could pull that like three or four times through this whole track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's rad. And they just got so much power to them, and it's just so energetic as well. Yeah, no, it's a really energetic track, and but it still has that groove, you know, that sort of like mm. like those, those breakdowns still have a, a bit of that groove, which is really really cool. Yeah. Yeah, they got like this thy art thing mixed with 
Kublai Khan. Mm. I don't know. It's like, it's mm. weird. Mm. It's kind of got a, yeah, it's got a bit of that kind of like mosh metal, but also still traditional metal elements. Like it's got a bit of everything, I think. Yeah. And you yeah. Yeah. stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, for our band, like breakdowns is a big thing. We just love a good breakdown. And, um, you know, so it's that breakdown worship <laughs> and, 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 and putting one together. You know, it's not easy to make a really catchy, um, heavy, or, or trying to go heavier than you have gone before, it, it um, yeah, it's a, always a challenge. So uh, that's definitely, definitely part of it for us as well. Mm. And then also trying to get unique as yeah. well. Mm. I can't imagine how hard it would be writing breakdowns because there are so many breakdowns out there. <laughs> I just do not envy people because when you hear a new breakdown for the first time, I mean, like everyone in the pit or everyone at the gig will be like, fuck, did you just see that? Um, but I can't imagine how hard it would be actually writing a good one so i think in the recording process yeah. we had um there was was it we were trying to we were, uh listening to the um it was yeah 271 um where we were just trying to get uh, almost go for like an amity affliction um kind of bass drop uh in there and it was <laughs> just trying to make it the heaviest it could possibly be. And it was really well, back and forth um, in the, I think it was in the mastering process, we were actually um, sorting that out. Um, and- More layers. More layers. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, I think Alb was getting a bit, bit sick of us trying to, like, no, 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 I just want a bit, like, wanted to be just a bit heavier, if, if possible. <laughs> Yeah, because um, also, where, where's Alb based? He's based in yeah, Italy. Yeah in, uh, yeah, in Italy. I think Sardinia, maybe, in Italy. Yeah. Oh, wow. So sending um, notes back and forth with a language barrier can be kind of hard. <laughs> I, can imagine. I can imagine. Very long. Yeah, we, yeah he's been great to work with. Um, really love Alb and his, his work at Cutfire. Um, can't speak high, more highly of him. Yeah, he, he actually smashes it Some the- and, yeah, get, get, gets, the, gets the sound we love. So does a great job. I feel like you guys are all over, like, all over the world like, with how you guys are working. <laughs> how, how, did, how did that happen that you started working with someone over there? Uh, so that's that's one of Frankie's mates. Nice. Um, and that's, I mean, Frankie's been, like, so valuable to the band. Like, he introduced us to Chris from Monolith. Um, he introduced us to, to Joe uh, Midler, who, who did both the, the, the clip for 271 and the clip for 272 that's about to come out. Um, yeah, he's just really sort of introduced us to all these people who think would work really well with us. And, um, yeah, it's been great. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's see, There's something about Euro metal that's just different. Uh, they, uh, there's something in the water over there, like... It's. I think I prefer a lot of that stuff a little bit more than than American metal. I think it's just. I don't know something about it, but yeah, this this song absolutely slaps, and I just didn't get my chance to to comment on it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> For the next song, I feel like they're a bit, they're yeah. a bit more, more unique over there. I feel mm-hmm. every has their own thing to them. Hundred percent. Yeah, they don't really sound the same. A lot of them. Whereas the states and everything, they can be a bit more uh, 
satirized. Yeah, sure. True. <laughs> no offense, guys. I mean, I, I think, sorry, I just want to say before we move on to the next track, because I feel like the first two tracks are probably, they feel like very technical <laughs> songs. And I mean, I, we don't play instruments. We kind of spoke about that at the start before we recorded. And when you listen to bands like this and you say like, I want to do a riff like this or a breakdown like this, and it actually is really physically hard to do. Do you ever guys in the writing process, do you guys ever have to pull yourself back because it might be hard to recreate like live or something like that? Or do you just go for it and just hope for the best? Yeah, no, we, we just, just go for it. Cause we, um, we track with, uh, with Chris at, at Monolith and, um, he's an incredible guitarist and yeah, he just goes, you know what? We'll just, we'll, some riffs we have to break down note by note, and then I'll sort of make a joke, being like, "How am I going to do this live?" And he's like, "You got it, man. You got it." And then I spend the next three months purely on one riff, just trying to get it absolutely perfect. And then yeah. that first show, sweating bullets, sweating yeah. bullets. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny when we're jamming, um, and was, well, when we're writing, and um, like, yeah, that sounds really good. Well, could you do this? And it just makes it life twice as hard. <laughs> Mm, yeah. Either Adrian or Kyle, and as the vocals, I'm just sitting back and <laughs> like, <laughs> very easy in the vocals, very easy. Um, and I have a hard time communicating what I want sometimes. <laughs> uh, get there. Yeah, but there is it is a good point because you write something and it is a lot. It's very technical and difficult to execute, and um, that just requires hours and hours of practice from our instrument players. Yeah. So it's also a good um, goal to strive towards because we've, we've always written songs that are way too hard for us to <laughs> pull off. So, so we need to get to that point to pull it off and then every step of the way we just get better and better and better. And Yeah, we, we have a track called Mirror Truths which we haven't released. Well, I don't think we have played it. We haven't played it live either. Um, how long does it go for? It's um, I think that's a seven or eight minute song. Yeah, and it, it was always the one um, uh, at practice where we would sometimes skip it um, just because it was too hard. <laughs> but it was um, yeah, we never never start with that. You couldn't start with that song. It was just it, it, it's too technically demanding. Yeah. And also, it starts in like four four and goes to like. Seven eight and then like eleven eight and jumps around constantly then back to four four and um Dino's old neighbor used to hate it. Like he would throw rocks at us, but they're only during one song. And it was right. would start playing that song and rocks would start hitting the roof and yeah. It was uh it's always yeah. so good. Yeah, that's that's how the neighbors protest, but just you just hear this bang on the roof and like oh, <laughs> That was that, that was that one night all yelling at, over the fence at each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> got pretty um, full. Anyway. So the, the <laughs> next track we've got coming up is "Make Them Suffer." Uh, contraband featuring Courtney Laplante. Spirit box. Spirit box. Strong spirit box. Yes. Um, I've got to ask, like, who picked these songs so far? So. Um, did you guys all like pull together to to make the list, or did you guys just pick a song each? Yeah, sort of uh, pick, picked a song each, um, 
and then uh, like two seven one. Uh, so we thought we'd, we'd pick one each that sort of helped us all individually write, and then one as a, as, as a group. Um, and then yeah, cool. Well, tell us about contraband. Yeah, so that was one of, one of my picks. Um, yeah, pretty much as a guitarist, I primarily listen to like guitars and the drums, and um, yeah, just the, the style of guitar in, in this track and just in make them suffer in general something that really influences me as well um everything from that sort of really like the genty kind of like you know muted open notes kind of stuff um so like the tricky kind of like little harmonies and melodies in the riff as well um and then sort of like the real kind of like bouncy breakdowns and stuff as well that's sort of like what i was really going for with um with for, for 271 yeah sick so yeah make them suffer like they they make some pretty catchy songs and like yeah like very like easy to mosh to two tracks like um a lot of earworms and stuff like that and yeah this this is a really good ex- like example of that hmm. yeah yeah and um especially the way they sort of break down um like yeah a lot of the riffs and all the breakdowns get heavier and heavier as well uh that's sort of something I was trying to do with 271 where it took like the verse riff to make it into the breakdown and do that sort of like not strictly just muting, but then also just really big slamming chords as well. Um, and yeah, this was one of the tracks I was listening to when we we're, when we're writing 271 and yeah. And I think that this track as well, I mean, this track and they've got what, I think two other singles that came out after their last album. And I think these three tracks and especially this one, are some of the heavier stuff out of the lot. Uh, mm. So I think if, if I think it slotted in quite well into the playlist and, and I was curious to know who picked it. So, I mean, it makes sense a guitarist. Uh, Cause <laughs> I, yeah, I was trying to figure out which way it would go. And I've probably got some questions for you soon, Morgan, um, when we get to, to your track. Um, like uh, 27.1 just around vocal styles and things like that. Cause I'm trying to pick where that goes, but um yeah, this is a bad track. It wasn't Courtney's vocals for Morgan. <laughs> this fight. She goes hard on this track. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's great. She does, yeah. Oh, she's got an incredible range. Like her her clean scene is just so beautiful. But then yeah. like this that scream, it's absolutely brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was actually listening to Spirit Box today. They um they came on um, I was scrubbing the belly of a aeroplane, just scrubbing all the grease off it. I was like, man, this track's so good. Yeah, so heavy, so heavy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I like that description, man. It's not <laughs> scrubbing the I belly. I was going to say cat for a second, <laughs> then I was like, fuck, no, he works with planes. <laughs> fuck, well, uh, let's load that track up, um, and then we'll have one more to talk about on the other side um, in a moment. So... Yeah, contraband make them suffer. Shooting! They want your power! They want your soul! So you can't 
So at the top there, we had Make Them Suffer Contraband. And then after that, we had Parkway Drive with Horizons. So who picked Horizons? I think that was sort of, yeah, a bit, bit of a round pick, really. Um, it's, it's a track that, that um, yeah, we've, we've mentioned in, in interviews before. Um, it's something Dino and I really, really bonded over, um, especially the way that, like all the riffs really uh, just sort of evolved. Um, it's almost like you got like three main sections of the song, um, and it's almost like some of the elements go across. But then when the heavy section comes in, you got that that really chugging riff that sort of breaks down further and further and further. Um, and then the outro where it just sort of starts, it's you know, the lead part, and then that sort of grows and influences everything else. And um, yeah, sort of something we try to do with with two seven one and the guitar work as well, because um, it sort of started off with like the little um what we call the dilly dums the little guitar fill bits and then the rest of it came from that and so and that was actually one of dino's riffs um that he sort of brought in one day and um yeah I mean, in a similar way to, to horizons we just wanted that to sort of like those riffs evolve and evolve and evolve um but then parkway have been a huge influence on us you know like um i think me and morg's first metal gig was in mount gambia at the rsl when nice. parkway uh, opened oh no sorry about headlining um yeah i think we actually dave and i have stories that? that we've spoken on the pod where i think some of our first heavy gigs were parkway as well i mean one of mine definitely was and i think dave you early there as well yeah they played right. like the local mechanics hall to like 100 people yeah, like yeah nice like this it sent me down the back down the parkway rabbit hole it's been a couple of years since i've given them a good listen and like mm. horizons yeah. is like almost untouchable I think it's so good. Yeah. Sick. And just the way the, the songs do do build, like mm-hmm. you're saying, and you can hear that in 27.1 mm-hmm. where it's like everything's just, it's kind of evolving in the song and it's yeah. just so, so fun to listen to. Yeah, Parkway have been definitely a big influence for us. It's the metalcore. If, like if there's a metalcore sound that you hear, that's that's Parkway Drive. Like that's, mm. they've always been that. Um that, that sort of rock for us and uh yeah definitely 
Smoking Me Forgotten. That, we were in love with that song. Again, yeah. it was one of the anthems in high school. And as mm. Adrian said, you know, some of our first gigs. And we've been to so many Parkway yeah. drive shows. In fact, the last one we saw, uh, I don't think Gino could make it, but we went to Knotfest and saw him there. I got a funny story, actually. I found this hat. Um, I think it was in the mosh pit of um, Knocked Loose. Picked up this random hat. Anyway, uh, you know, the night sort of, you know, the day progressed. And I remember at one point the hat got thrown, got taken off me and flung somewhere. Yeah. And then I look up and Parkway Drive guitarist is wearing this hat. I'm like, oh. <laughs> how did he get that? <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> It was so funny. So, but I mean, it wasn't even my hat, but it was. And then I wonder about the original owner of the hat. They're going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was such an original hat, too. It wasn't like a bright yellow with a smiley face. Yeah. It's wrinkles, yeah. It's unmistakable. It was definitely. <laughs> Not many of those. Definitely that hat. I mean, like, I picked it up because I was like, hey, it's a cool hat. Um, and then it just went on its journey. And ended up, who knows, maybe he still has it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we all, we all got separated and I was trying to find a good spot for Slipknot. I look up and at the big screen, there's Jeff Ling shredding, you know, the intro to Wild Eyes. And I'm like, is that Morg's hat? Morgan was wearing that hat. <laughs> That's so cool. It so just cool. shows that they're still those same guys from Byron. Like they haven't forgotten their roots. And a lot of people kind of yeah, accuse yeah. them of that a little bit because they don't play as many mm. shows in Australia, but like they're still, they still love, love to have a good time. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. guess that, that sounds changed a little bit. Um, and like, actually some of the, the new sounds sort of did influence um, the chorus for, for 271 guitar wise, like mm. that sort of, sort of newer style parkway, like there's really bouncy riffs, like in like bottom feeder and stuff like that. That's yeah. sort of like what I was going for with the uh, the guitar work in like the second half of, of 271's um, uh, chorus, yeah. Cool. Talking about 271, we'll, do you want to talk about that now a little bit? Um, it obviously came out on the 6th of October, so it's been out for two weeks now, Three coming on to three. So how, have you guys mm. found the reception to the song? It's, it's really good. I really enjoy it. Mm. Good. Yeah, really good. Um, I was doing my lurking and stalking of a night time, trying to DM as many people as possible. And one of the dudes that got back to me was Brandon Chapetti from Bleeding oh, Through. Cool. He's like, dude, this is sick. And I almost came in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> as I think any other person would, that's, that's a sick. That's sick. Insane. So I was like, I wouldn't have even cared if you didn't listen to it. I was just like, for you, you know the name now, mm, so mm, yeah. But uh, yeah, the reception's been great, and it just feels great to have these tracks out because I mean, we tracked them. Uh, what was it like February? Okay. I think. Yeah. Wow. Um, and we've been working on these film clips since December, so yeah, we've been sitting on them for, for quite a while. So it's just been great to yeah have them out there and to be able to share them with everyone and just. Yeah, like uh, just the kind words everyone's been saying and, and the response has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mad track. And I think since Dave and I have been doing this podcast and talking to a few bands, I mean, we just keep hearing these stories of bands that have been sitting on music or material or content for months. 
I mean, what, what's your like strategy and thoughts as you kind of do that? Because I know that if it was me, and I'm sure Dave's the same, we just want to get it out. Yeah, we yeah we <laughs> wouldn't we would stick to the timeline. We just put it out yeah. straight away whenever it's ready to go. So yeah, you guys show good restraint in being able to stick to the plan. And it, is that what you guys do? Do you do you guys like want to get it out as soon as it's done? Or yeah. yeah. I mean- I wish you could say in this instance we were uh, strategic, but it was literally we got you know the masters back from the, both the film clips. We pretty much were like for a month today we we upload it. We oh no for a month we, from today we, we release it. We're going to upload it, start all all the, all the you know the promo stuff in the background. Um, but yeah, pretty much as soon as like the ink was dry on the on the film clip, we're like a month from now. So oh, that's nice. Good. And social media for that kind of stuff is really hard, isn't it? It's trying to push that out, catch the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. I know Phil and I kind of struggle with that side of things as well because it's almost like a full-time job. It's hard, man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And, um, yeah, like we've learned so much just over the last year from when we, you know, started sort of doing all the stuff for the last EP. Um, we've learned a lot. We've made some some dumb mistakes. We've you know, spent money on ads that have done absolutely nothing sometimes. Um, yeah. And just trying things. And if it, if it works, it works. If not. Um, and we also just love to, you know, share other bands uh, material as well. Like whenever it were shows, you know, we'll film sets and tag people just to try and spread the word. And mm. yeah. Um, some bands don't like to do that. They like to be super professional, but I sort of take the dime bag Daryl approach of you got to be, you got to be a fan first, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I think fans like respond to that too. Well, Like other, Mm. maybe other bands might not, but other like fans see that and they're like, yeah, that's cool. Like I'm going to get around them. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. I think it's really cool. And the emergence of those um, groups, uh, like the, the Melbourne hardcore community that we, I just said to Phil one day, I'm like, I'm just going to post, something about the podcast in the group and then Ricky tagged yourself and uh, one of the guys from the orphan and, and that's yeah. how we kind of connected. And I kind of think those groups are really cool. And so mm. it can just like connect complete strangers. You can get fans pretty, pretty easily. And there's a lot of people like pumping good bands in those groups too. Yeah. True. True. And it's a great way as well, like to find shows and stuff like that. I've been, you know, Literally Wednesday, Thursday night, jump one of those um, and, and have a look and see if there's any shows. See something's on a Friday night, go along and see like a bunch of hardcore bands. It's like these. This is this is amazing. I'm in my element right now. I'm loving this. You know, you get to chat to like-minded people and support the scene. That's great. See, well, let's. Uh, we're going to play twenty-seven-one now. So um, stick around. We've got a, a few more songs. We're going to talk about. Uh, some influence and the new song and um, yeah we'll be back in a few
right. So at the top there, we had 27.1 uh, by, I mean, you, you guys, Bold Hill. And then we followed it up with uh, Vermilion Part 2 by Slipknot. Um, and I know there's obviously a bit of a story behind the selection of this song, but as I mentioned just before, I cut out before <laughs> 0.1 played. Um, and look, I alluded to this earlier, but Morgan, I'm just curious, and I don't want to obsess too much on this whole, you guys played an indie band thing, but I just find it so fascinating. <laughs> when you guys made that swap, and I get Morgan, I'm assuming, did you sing in the indie band as well? Yeah, so I've always been a singer. Our yeah. first, so our band was uh, 0.0, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, we had a song called Sunny Morning. Yeah. Um, uh, we were highly, we were influenced by the vines. I love the vines. Um, yeah. And I remember we played get free at a school assembly and my singing teacher, cause I did get singing lessons and was classically trained, but, um, yeah, my singing teacher was there and that was not the technique that he taught me. And yep. he said, if you ever saw me do that again, <laughs> uh, he would, he would refuse to teach me. Um, wow. yeah. But, uh, and then we started, I started to work with him on, you know, how to sing, you know, how to sing metal, you know, because then right. the band changed to metal and, um, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, well, back to Point Break, Red Hot Chili Peppers were a big influence. Never always been a, a band for me and Adrian growing up. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I'd say they're kind of the the main ones. Um, and there's always Queens of the Stone Age. You love Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Songs yeah. of Death. Oof. Yeah. Friends of Stone Age was a big one for us. Um, and yeah, then we sort of eased in with Metallica. We started playing Enter Sandman and For yeah. Whom the Bell Tolls. Um, and I did struggle with that because um, James Hetfield has got a very unique Unreal, yeah. voice and a unique way of singing and trying to. That's a problem with covers, you know, if you're just trying to, you know, and that's what we were doing in, in high school. We were trying to get you know enter sandman as enter sandman you know yeah. and that's it's challenging but you know it worked out all right and then we got into slayer um so things took a dark turn um <laughs> we performed, first song we ever played live was bloodline by slayer with this the screen masks um yeah and we, we were so, and it was a battle of the bands we ended up winning the battle of bands oh wow um because yeah and we we Played that track with Scream Master, and we cut little. Had to cut um, a little uh, hole, and then we put this black mesh over it, so you can see my mouth. So very, and that was very influenced by Slipknot. Um, yeah, cool. So, and then Slipknot, uh, we started covering Slipknot, and um, yeah, things. Got, I think Lamb of God, Slipknot, Pantera. Um, yeah, I mean the band oh, Cradle of Filth. Yeah, got Cradle of Filth in there as well. <laughs> that's great. Um, but yeah, that, that's the evolution of, of where we sort of came from. But it was that turning point. We got that drummer, John. Um, yeah. It was the, the clip, you know, he was the token goth guy wearing the Doc Martens and the spikes and the yeah. all, all that. So we were just sort of fascinated by John. And um, he was into mm. some really heavy metal like Nile, um, which we sort of struggled with. And he was a fantastic musician. Like he picked up. So he, he's, uh, he was classically trained as a... Um, uh, keyboardist and mm. so he picked up drums or picked up guitar and a week later he's just absolutely smashing it was kind of demoralizing he's like man i sit there for a week trying to play 
you know, smoke on the water or whatever and still screwing it up. And yeah. here you are, just master of puppets. I remember master of puppets in particular, he like picked it up in like a day or two. Yeah. It's just messed up. Crazy. Yeah. But that's what mm-hmm. sort of inspired us to go down that metal. We found yeah. Metallica and, and went down that rabbit hole and it's kind of a, Metallica was probably the gateway drug, I think, to the heavy, yeah. heavier bands. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know I've asked it a few times, but I just find it fascinating. And I think like thinking about your, like you vocally, and I guess going from that and hearing the progression of the band you're listening to and obviously getting vocal coaching as well through that. Um, yeah, I was just curious is all. So and I know I cut out before, so sorry, Dave, for going off. off <laughs> That's uh, fine. Off script. Don't apologize to me. Uh, apologize to the listeners. But uh, <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Nah, they're already coming this far. It's, it's, it's all their fault. <laughs> But, I mean, it's a good segue. So, obviously, bringing it up to, to Slipknot. So, Vermillion Part 2. Talk to us about this, the choice of this track. Yeah. So, I'm very... Look, when it comes to metal ballads, um, you know, they're very hard to, to pull off. And you do see some bands, you know, big bands struggle with them. Um, and Slipknot just had this way. I was not... I was, I guess... I think we all were very obsessed with what's what's heavier, what can we listen to that's heavier and darker. Mm. Um, and it was when Volume 3 came out, being a you know, hardcore Slipknot fan, I was like, oh, I don't know about this, you know, I can't, mm. you know. You know, there's that initial rejection you get when a band takes, uh, takes a, a drastic turn and then the more you listen to it and then it sort of, it, um, it really grows on you and that, the Million Part Two for me was kind of like the metal ballad that resonated with me. Um, yeah, so that's that's something I wanted to sort of emulate. If we're going to do a ballad, um, if we're going to go down that road, I want to do something um, or, or model something that um, yeah is really awesome. So the Million Part Two was. That sort of track for me was different to ballad, you know, Metallica ballads. Um, mm. It just had this; it has its own unique feel to it. When, when Slipknot do it, um, they're very good at it. And you know, even on you know their their latest album, um, definitely uh, influenced Twenty Seven uh, Part Two as well, um, which is a very personal track for us. You know, it's, it's about our sister who we lost during the pandemic, and uh, she actually was a keyboardist for a very brief stint in the band. Oh, wow. um, mm. Yeah, she got over it pretty quickly. Two weeks. <laughs> she, managed, she lasted, I think, two weeks, and she was like, this is, isn't for me. Yeah. 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 Mm. It's kind of interesting because, um, yeah, Slipknot is one of those bands that, like, kind of passed me by a little bit, and uh, Volume 3 was, like, the, the album that I kind of got into them. And it was definitely that, I'm, I'm going to say softer, but it's not softer. It was just more, like, accessible, I guess. Like, like yeah. duality mm. is not, like, starts off and it's, it's kind of sounds like it's going to be a bit of a ballad at the start and then it kind of punches you in the face, which is kind of really cool how it builds like that. But Vermillion Part 2 really breaks the album up as well, lets it breathe a little bit. And mm. and True. Um, True. listening to twenty seven point two, like that's when I was like, these guys have been a bit, been around for a little while because it's really like 
di- difficult to to make a ballad, as you said, Morgan. I think they're harder to write songs like that, to be honest. Yeah, it, it might be from my talking to other people that write like probably more ballad tracks. That's generally the feeling. The response we get is that they're harder to write. Did you guys find that? Yeah. Well, I, I guess the way two seven two sort of came about is we wrote two seven one, and then like the outro. Um, well, like it'd be really cool if we make this like a part one, part two, and use that outro as like the base intro, um, mm. and that's all it's going to be. And maybe we'll reuse some of the riffs and so forth. Um, and then when our sister passed, we decided let's make the the song about her and, and about our our journey through grief and so forth. Yeah. Um, and we're like, well, if we're going to do it as a battle, let's try and do it like a bit darker, like um, Vermilion Part Two. And then we actually used that outro from two twenty seven point one to be the chord progression of not only the intro but then also half of the verse as well. Um, mm. And kind of similar to Vermilion Part 2, I sort of wanted to go with some chords that sort of had a bit of a darker feeling. Um, and, yeah. But it was definitely sort of harder because normally we sort of try and, in many ways, put as many notes into, like, a riff as possible and make it as fast. But then when you then have to try and write chord progressions and work out what chords and what inversions of chords and so forth are going to work best. Um, and then I have the... The, the bad habit of writing guitar pro. So I'll write these, these chords. I'm like, that sounds awesome. And then I try and play it. I'm like, I don't have enough fingers or my fingers can't move that way. And then, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely a great experience writing that song for us. And I think we all learned a lot. And um, hopefully something we can, we can continue doing and, and add to some more songs as well. Yeah. Well, it was written as an acoustic track to begin with. So um, we... Uh, had a, a wake for our, our sister and this was after all the lockdowns and it had been cancelled once before um, and we got, basically we wanted, you know, the person that she was, um, she was, uh, you know, the life of the party. So we're like, well, we're going to, you know, we're not going to have this something, we're going to have this, you know, wake and we're going to uh, like turn it into a concert for her and all her, um, you know, family and loved ones. And so that's what we did. We, we got um, together um, all the bands that, um, you know, she supported in the uh, Melbourne live music scene loved and, and loved, um, got them all together for one night. And this, we had to, we wanted to uh, perform this track um, for her. So that was actually the first time we played to a live audience and it was acoustic wow. um, without a drummer. It was just me, um, Adrian and Kyle. And that was very nerve-wracking because the song hadn't been completed until probably, I guess, maybe two weeks prior. Yeah. Um, and we were very much out of our comfort zone. Mm. And uh, But we knew we had to do it. One, you know, we have to do this for her. Um, so we really pushed ourselves. And we did also, you know, and we still, you know, still could one day come back and record it as that acoustic original version, uh, version yeah. of the video. Um, yeah, so that's the evolution of the track and it was definitely new ground for us, but I think with the, you know, because we're writing about her, um, we just, we found that, uh, niche and, and how to, to write it. It had to be, we weren't going to just release something that we weren't happy with. And so it goes back to your question four, you know, do you guys sit on something? So yeah, what we do, we, we don't, um, we're used to waiting. 
we're used to mm. um, not being out there and we're like we won't put it out there unless we're really you know happy with it so yeah. Happy. yeah wow I mean that's I mean that's intense and I mean thanks for sharing I mean I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, metal ballads in general, I feel like are beautiful songs, right? That I think when I heard the, like the snippet that you guys sent through earlier, I mean, I'm going to listen to that with a completely new lens. I think now that we've kind of, we've spoken, I've heard that story. So, I mean, I've been playing that for the first time as well, like in that instance as well, I feel like it's just, yeah, it would have been a special moment for you guys, I'm sure. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I don't really know much else to say. I think that's, um, it's just an incredible story and mm. I can't wait to hear the full thing now. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. And, um, yeah, we, we, we knew, um, it was going to be something special, not just for us, but the way that the song sort of grew and, 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 and came about. Um, but yeah, we sort of did discuss, you know, do we just keep it acoustic and, and release it as that? Um, mm. but just from, you know, what, what Morgs and I went through, especially what Morgs went through, because our sister was uh, Morgan's twin as well. Um, I just knew there was a lot of power that that could be in this song as well and to really give the the, the journey of, of, of grief, um, you know, some real substance. And I knew, yeah, we needed some, some heavy parts in there for Morgan just to really un unleash. Um, and then side we wanted to add a, a really um sort of uh crazy euphoric sort of like outro as well and sort of like almost like sort of change it to sort of symbolize you know, that, that point of grief where some of the sadness and the, the the initial pain sort of turns into a celebration of life um and that's sort of the bridge part of the song but then you know as, as grief is a very, very, very tricky beast to, to, to tackle, um, we wanted the very outro to, well, the end of the outro to be very heavy again because that's all the time what happens, you know, celebration yeah. suddenly does turn back into pain and, and anguish and, and, and loss, yeah. Yeah. But it really was a track celebrating, you know, you, know, you followed the, all the lyrics there, you know, well, you know, I've put a lot of time into them. And they paint a story of her, um, not maybe quite literally, but all the lyrics in that. There's no, there's no lyrics um, in that track that have no meaning. Um, yeah, and there's there's mm. quite some you know some pretty heavy uh, lyrics in there as well um, about you know uh, the literally from the the day after we sort of found out you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, but it was it's been a. I think it's very cathartic to do something like this, um, and it also a big thing for us is immortalizing her. Um, you know, she doesn't need us to release this track for that to happen. She's a great mm. artist, you know, right? And um, you know, and a published scientist as well. So she's made her mark. But yeah. Um, yeah. this was our tribute for her. So it just had to, yeah, it had to be right. Um, and it was tough, but it wasn't as tough as losing her. So yeah, yeah we, we found the. Uh, it's found it. We had, we had to do a dig deep for her, and that's what we did. And she kind of, um, yeah, guided us. So. Yeah, well, well, I think so. This song will be out. Uh, so this this episode will come out on Tuesday next week, which is the twenty fourth. This track will come out on the third. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be released uh, on the third, um, and yeah, the video clip will be released 
same day as well. Um, yeah. And sort of an idea we had, we thought if we're going to do this, let's do it properly. Um, let's have two film clips that sort of link together in a narrative way. Um, and then use, you know, some of the imagery from, from the 272 clip as, as the cover art. And yeah. Yeah. So we sort of wanted it to be a nice intertwined package. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, uh, so I mean, these two tracks obviously will go together in some ways, as you've mentioned, um, both sonically and, and I guess themes as well. Is this leading to more music in the future or is this going to be kind of more of a standalone release? Like where, where are you guys at with, um, with, with that? Yeah, this will definitely. So yeah, the release 30s is a two track release. Yeah. Um, yep. There's definitely more music on the, on the way. That's yeah. for sure. Um, we did record another song when we tracked these two tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so still got that up our sleeve. And then, uh, yeah, we're currently writing, um, what we hope will be an EP, maybe an album. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sometime next year, um, and we're trying to, yeah, me and Dino and Frankie are down here in Melbourne doing the instrumentals, sending stuff up to morgues and in the Northern Territory. And he's putting, you know, his sort of, uh, screams and, and lyrics on there and then sending it back we just sort of go back and forth so yeah cool. um but yeah these two songs will just be by themselves and then yeah, yeah there'll definitely be more stuff coming as we said the cockroaches <laughs> of metal we never die <laughs> they um they are like the you know 27 one is is um <clears throat> and just on that you know the the lyrics are actually not not not, not my own for the verses these are actually what uh, people of the you know Twenty Seven Club, uh, you know, famous things that they said. Uh, Marilyn Monroe is in there as well. She wasn't a, a member of the uh, Twenty Seven Club, but uh, the first verse starts with um, you know some of her famous quotes, um, and it was yeah, it's, it is a, a song about loss as well. Um, uh, I guess you know this is and how you know people these these people I guess. Um, blew up and, and became such a power in the world, but that power also led to their demise, you know, it's sort mm. of a pop culture sort of consumed them. And that's what the, you know, the, the chorus is, is my own and the breakdown um, as well. Um, and that's what uh, the breakdown is really about that, um, you know, that separation of, uh, you know, in, in death that mm. they experience, you know, uh, that's that they're there. And there's a lyric there. What's yours is yours. What's mine is mine. It's the same. Well, you've uh, you've done this to me. Now I'm going away, and now I'm my own again. You know, in death. So, um, yeah. But you know, and that ties on to, to, to the loss of us. So it made sense to have these as a as a standalone. Um, obviously, with you know the loss of Tash and the impact that that will have. I'm sure there'll be more um, songwriting um, around that. Um, that's just something, unfortunately, that we'll carry for the rest of our lives. But uh, we want to also, you know, it's about uh, trying to, you know, immortalize her for the and, and remember her in the, in the uh, you know, all the good qualities that she had. Um, so I don't want don't want to be, you know, dwelling on the the, the darkness and the grief side of things. But mm. I think that was important for. Um, us in that sort of uh, 272 um, because there was an extreme amount of pain there and um, we just wanted to sort of convey that um, and, and 
only way we really know how is artists um, by making it really heavy and, and brutal. Um, mm. Yeah, but will we come back to it? Yeah, I think I think we will, um, but probably in a different light. Mm. Yeah, That's yeah, beautiful. it's powerful it's stuff, no, isn't it? Absolutely, There's, can't wait to hear the rest um, of the track. And I think it's really good. People will connect to that to that song in their own way as well, in their own journeys of loss and. Um, we hear stories like one of our favourite artists is Touche Amore and, and Jeremy wrote a whole record about the loss of his mum and he gets constantly gets people coming up to him saying, thank you, you helped me get through this period of my life and, and stuff like that. So it gives people hope that people have gone through it and gotten out the other side because like grief is like something that you feel like you're never going to kind of recover from. And you, you never do in, in a lot of ways, but yeah, it's really, yeah, beautiful. And thank you for sharing because, yeah. Yeah, uh, no worries. And yeah, it, it is a tricky piece to, to, to deal with. And as you say, like, uh, I think it was actually Morgs that told me this quote about how uh, when you lose someone, it sort of leaves that hole um, and you never sort of heal the hole or recover. You just grow bigger as a person around it. Um, and that's sort of how you, you learn to carry on in, in some ways. Um, and yeah, you, you try to, um, let the person that you've lost live through you in, in some ways as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, before we play the, uh, the little teaser for 27.2, is there anything you guys want to plug before we, we, we head out? Um, well, I think, you know, just thanking the wonderful team that we've worked with. I mean, we've, we, you know, uh, starting with, you know, Frankie uh, Demo, our, our drummer, uh, who put us in touch with them, Michael at Evergreen Artists. Um, you know, I, I used to work with him at Evergreen, um, and he was always on my back about releasing stuff, and here we finally are, and it's, it's come out well in the way we wanted. And um, I know he's really proud of us, um, and he's a great friend of mine. So, yeah, big thanks to Michael and mm. yeah, Chris Selmico, um at Monolith as well. He's this incredible talent and we're just very lucky to uh, be able to access him and, and work with him. And then, yeah, Albert at Cutfire as well. Um, massive. And, of course, the guys at Media, uh, again, that through Frankie and those guys are just it's exceptionally talented. Uh, we're very grateful just on a per, like in a very personal um uh capacity as well for 27.2 and, and how the clip came together because um yeah it's an emotional watch for us um you know mm. and uh you know i was watching it the other day and it really got me and um i think it's going to be a, a big help for uh Tasha's family and friends that they're going to love it and um just uh yeah so very grateful for that and that's it's you get one shot at it, you know. And uh, Joe was very patient working with us, and we went back and forth a lot of times with that in the editing process. And um, it was just brilliant to, to work with. So yeah, can't thank those all those guys. Uh, without them, I mean, you know, we'd probably be just uh, jamming and, and um, yeah, talking about you know, fan riffs and. And things that Adrian trying to get Adrian to play things that are not fair to play. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, perfectly said, man. Like, yeah, totally agree. Like, thanks to the team that worked with us, and uh, it's been great. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, thank you guys for taking the time as well to uh, to come on come on the pod. Um, yeah, we can't wait to hear the twenty seven point two in on the third of November. Um, and uh, I know Adrian will see you at Saving Face. Dino, are you going to be there on the weekend? No. Probably not, but I'll be there in spirit. Awesome. We'll have a yeah. there. Perfect. Um, yeah, thanks heaps. But uh, thanks for having us, guys. This, is, this has been an experience. It's awesome to meet you boys yeah. as well. So yeah, no, this has been really fun. Love the podcast. It's been great. Thanks, guys. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you. We'll... Uh, can't wait to catch you at a show for sure. Sick. Sweet. All right. We'll see you guys soon. All right. Take yeah, care. That's good, man. Cheers. Bye. Thank you, fellas. That was uh, that was incredible. That was awesome. Um, you would have just heard there a snippet of their new song coming out next week, November six. November six. Yeah, twenty seven point two. Twenty seven point two. Yeah, go and listen to twenty seven point out point one now. Um, the clip is on YouTube. It's a bit of a pair song, so um, listen to them back to back when they come out. They're just really a really good pair of songs and I think this is gonna kind of give them a bit of a kick forward and I think people are gonna start talking to talking about them after this track. I mean the EP last year they talk about how they're the cockroaches of the middle of the of, <laughs> yeah. the, of the scene. Um but no they're on a bit of a run, you know, the EP's like sick, heavy as um, you know, the single came out twenty seven point one, now twenty seven point two hopefully show soon. I feel like, yeah, this is, they're on a good run. So, um, go get around the track when it comes out. Um, because yeah, nicest blokes and just fucking great, great music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll be sharing it when it comes out too. So we'll try and, um, make sure that everyone sees it so we can, um, share the love. Excellent. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Um, please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and leave a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Helps the show a lot. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at press.con.pod on both platforms. Uh, as you know, we have launched the Press Conference Society uh, with end-of-year uh, discussions coming up. We're going to create a bit more convo in those groups. So Go and join them to get involved. Um, talk about like what you liked this year, what you hated this year, and maybe some early mail and some future episodes. Uh, and as always, we love the feedback. Um, it's actually been quite humbling. Dave and I were talking before the pod. You know, looking at the numbers going up on some of these recent episodes is is awesome. And uh, so that means that some of you guys have opinions. So if they're good opinions or bad opinions, let us know. Yep. Uh, we really love the feedback, and uh, we want to hear from you. Absolutely, we do. Until next time, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week.